Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. A few years ago, I uh, took a class with Walk Through the Bible. It was uh, Walk Through the Old Testament I have not had the privilege of taking their walk through the New Testament class, but I did take walk through the Old Testament. And if you've ever gone through walk through the Bible, uh, they take you through some kinetic steps. Kinetic means moving. You move, uh, and and in in making certain movements, you learn steps through, in this case, the Old Testament. Um. And I have used those steps in times both at Bruton Parker and at uh, the Frederick M. Hawkins Center for Christian Studies, where I teach up uh, close to home, Uh, except I've expanded it from 60 steps to 100 steps, because I just thought 100 is a better number. Um, And part of those 100 steps, as you might guess, carries you through the king's. Their steps go like this. They go creation, fall, flood, nations, 4,000 years ago. Ur, Persian Gulf, salt, Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Terah, salt. Tigris, Euphrates, rivers, Haran, Terah, Abraham's father, dies. Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Mediterranean Sea, Israel, Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, Jacob, Joseph, Egypt, Jews, Egypt, 400 years bondage, Moses, let my people go, no, 10 plagues, Passover, Red Sea, Mount Sinai, the law, the tabernacle, Levites and priests, offerings and feasts, counting their faces, Kadesh, oasis, 12 spies, wanders, dies. Moab, Moses, second law, Deuteronomy, Moses dies. Joshua, Jordan, cross the Jordan. Jericho, walls. Divide, conquer. South, they conquered the south and then the north. Divide, settle. Twelve tribes, judges. 400 years. Gideon, ringing out the fleece. Deborah. Jephthah spoke when he shouldn't have, and Samson. Everybody did what was right in his own eyes except Ruth and Samuel. United Kingdom, 120 years. King Saul, no heart. King David, whole heart. King Solomon, half heart. Divided kingdom, 
north, south, Israel, Judah. Israel had 19 kings. Judah had 20 kings. Of those 19 kings, Israel had no godly kings. Judah had eight kings. And I'll stop there. It's a great way to learn uh, the Old Testament. A very powerful way to learn. It was uh, first uh, developed by uh, Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, walked through the Bible ministries, also the uh, author of the Prayer of Jabez. Um, but it's a great way to learn the Old Testament. When we're thinking about the kings, we start out thinking about King Saul. King Saul was the king that Israel wanted. He was Israel's king. They wanted a king who looked like a king. And Saul looked like a king. Samuel said that he was as good-looking, as handsome a man as any person in Israel at that time. I said last week that, think of a tall Brad Pitt, and several people came up to me and said, no way. One fellow said, John Wayne. John Wayne then. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, even though Jacob had said that the scepter would never depart from Judah. He started out good, ended up bad. And we find in 1 Samuel 13, the first part, first place where he ended up doing something really bad. He offered a burnt offering that he did not have the authorization to offer. And so Samuel confronts him. What have you done? Saul replied, Well, when I saw the men were scattering, that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Now, the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Did you hear that? I felt compelled. I've had people come to me, and probably you've had people come to you before. I've just, I just felt compelled of the Lord to tell you. You've done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, you'd have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him. I highlighted this morning that that word appointed, that verb, is past tense. He has appointed him. It doesn't say he's going to seek out a man after his own heart and will appoint him. He says he has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him. Ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Later on, uh, Saul was commanded to wipe out the Amalekites and the Ammonites. On the surface, that looks like a very heinous thing to do. Uh, Scholars have debated, why would a God of love and mercy and grace command anybody to wipe out an entire nation of people, every man, every woman, every child, every animal, every babe nursing at its mother's breast, In fact, God said to Moses first and then to Joshua, when you go into this land, you are to wipe out the Amalekites and the Ammonites. You are not to leave anything that breathes. The reason 
from the opinion of the author of Samuel, was that if they left any of those people in there, they would lead Israel astray. They did leave some of them in there, and they did lead Israel astray. When Saul went after them, he defeated them. At first, he claimed he wiped them out. When Samuel confronted him about not wiping all of them out, he says in 1 Samuel 15, Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And Saul says, I did obey the Lord. I did. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. And before he ends that sentence, he says, And I brought back Agag, their king. Wait a minute. You completely destroyed them, but you brought back Agag, their king. I mean, he contradicted himself right there in one sentence. I completely destroyed everybody. Oh, but I did bring Agag back alive, uh, along with some of the flocks for the plunder and so forth. Verse 22, but Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. And so... God rejected Saul and sought out and appointed a man after his own heart. That would be David. The Apostle Paul, looking back uh, in retrospect in Acts chapter 13, says, uh, after removing Saul, God made David their king. God testified concerning David. I have found David. This is a quote. I've found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That's a troubling quote for me on a couple of levels. One is, uh, Paul's making a quote, and we can't find that quote anywhere in the Old Testament. Now, does he have to? No. He doesn't have to. But I would like for it to have been there. But that exact quotation is not in the Old Testament. The second thing is, he quotes God as saying, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Did David do everything God wanted him to do? Maybe he did. Maybe I'm confusing the fact that there are some things David did that God didn't want him to do. Maybe he did everything God wanted him to do, plus he did some things God didn't want him to do. Can we at least agree that he did some things God didn't want him to do? And it's those things that cause us trouble when we hear in the Scriptures of David being described as a man after God's own heart. And he's the only one who is described that way. The only one. And I rambled around this morning uh, when you were here listening so patiently and lovingly. And we talked about, I talked to you about what does it take to be a person after God's own heart. I want to give you some sheets of paper here. There's some questions on there. We're not going to get to all the questions, but I would like to get to some of them. Okay, so uh, Andy, would you help me here? Uh, would you hand out uh, these over there? And uh, let me give you a few more. And Matthew, will you hand out these over here? I appreciate that. And 
What I'd like for you to do, you should find a pen in the pew in front of you. I hope you will, uh, if you, unless you have one of your own, which is just fine. Thank you. Thank you. And what I'd like for you to do is first just to take the first question there. Uh, and, and I'm sure you'll probably read a little bit further. But right now, I just want you to take the first question. Why do you think God described David as a man after God's own heart? You have an opinion about it. I'd like for you to write it down. I'd like for you to write it down. Andy, I'm going to need you to help me, so you probably can just come up here with me. I need somebody I can trust, and that'd be you. That'd be you, Andy. What you're going to be is my microphone bearer to folks in just a minute, okay? So people raise their hand. You'll run to them with the microphone and let them talk, and then you'll bring the microphone back. Deal? We can handle that, right? Good. Good deal. I want you to write down why you think God said David was a man after his own heart. Just write that down. Now, while you're thinking about that answer and writing it down, I do want to bring in question number two. Because The problem that we often have with this idea of David being a man after God's own heart is is we think about what he did. We're we're thinking of of, uh, this, this evaluation of David as a man after God's own heart after viewing through the Old Testament his whole life and everything that he did and didn't do, right? But question two is, does it make any difference to you that God called David a man after his own heart before David actually became king? And therefore, before David's great sins of adultery and murder. Does, it make, does that make any difference that God evaluated him as a man after God's own heart before all these things occurred Yes or no, and then uh, just give, a, if you can, a brief explanation of why you said yes or why you said no. Okay? As you and I are meeting, we have different home groups meeting tonight, and they are doing the same thing you and I are doing, except they may have some chili or barbecue to go along with it. Sorry about that. I didn't bring the chili or barbecue with me, but uh, we're here just to discuss this kind of stuff. All right? So let's think about this. Why do you think God described David as a man after God's own heart? If you'd like to be willing to share with us your opinion on it, uh, raise your hand and give Andy time to get to you. And uh, and then Jack's got his hand up, Andy. So I want to hear from Jack. One word. Faith. Okay. Expound on that, though. God could see David's faith. Okay. He wasn't relying on himself. He was relying on God. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Thank you. Another hand. All right. Come on now. This has got, there you go. VA's got her hand back there. And then I see, did I see Buddy's hand over here? 
I saw that hand. Say, I can do the evangelist. I saw that hand. My one word would be desire, which is funny to use that with David. But um, I think his desire was to please God, to know God, and... um, Oh, I said, please, God, on my answer twice. But his desire was to know God and be close to him. And so number two question would support my answer to number one, that he desired him from an early age, and God recognized that. All right. Buddy had his hand up over here. He knew David's heart. He knew David's heart. Loving him. Okay. All right. All right. Any other hands on this issue? Any other opinions? Come on, there's got to be at least one more. Why do you think God chose, called David a man after his own heart? Some of you have gotten very prayerful at this moment. I ask you something and you're like this right here. Miss Peggy's got her hand up, Andy. Being as how God is outside of time, since Jack didn't go there, and God knew his heart, and knew that he would come back okay. after sin each time. Would okay. come back. All right. Anybody on anybody for question one or two have anything else you'd like to share? Chris Gould down here, Andy. Since I listened to the last sermon series that you preached so eloquently, his sin was as far as east is from the west, so uh, God did not have to hold that against him because he'd already forgiven him when he asked for forgiveness. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Gould. All right, well, let me, throw out a, let me throw out another question then. Does God's evaluating David as a man after his own heart, does it have to do with David's behavior or does it have to do with David's behavior? Is it dependent upon David's behavior? That's what I'm asking. You understand what I'm saying? God evaluated David as a man after God's own heart. Is that evaluation dependent upon anything that David did? Or is it not based upon anything that David may have done? What do you think? Does God's evaluation of our hearts... Depend on what we do. I don't have a ready-made answer, so, so don't be afraid to answer. All right? Only in that we do allow him to work on our hearts. That we are willing. That we are repentant. All right? Did you have something to add to that, Jack? Anybody else got something you want to add to that? John? Well, that's kind of a tricky relationship because you have to remember what Jesus said, that you will be known by your fruits. Mm -hmm. So if your heart's in the right place, but your actions don't show it, is your heart really in the right place? Okay, great point. Anybody else a thought on that? Now, uh, with re- what I'm hearing is that it may, there may be a correlation. 
between God's evaluation of David's heart and the things that he does. I'm kind of hearing that, kind of, sort of, but we're, 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 little, we're, we're edging that way. I don't, I don't see us just jumping out at it, but I, see us, I hear us edging that way. What, 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 is, uh, what does that have to do then with the fact that grace is, you know the definition of grace, unmerited what? Favor. Unmerited favor. Unearned favor. So let's talk about the tension between, you're going to know my heart by my fruits. That is what Jesus said. How do we reconcile the tension between that and the fact that God's grace to us is unmerited, unearned? It comes without fruit. What do you think? Wait a minute, raise your hand. You've got to go by the rules, John. I'm going to remember this in Sunday morning. You interrupt me no, five or six that. times. His grace is available to all, but you have to seek it. He's not, you didn't merit his grace, but you have to, you have to repent and look for his grace and ask for his grace. He, he will forgive you. He's willing to, but he's not going to force it on you. Okay. Jack Woodall. The grace I find in Paul's writings, that unmerited favor, straight up, between me and God. He gives it to me, and I got it. The, uh, you have your faith, show it to me by your works that I find in James. doesn't really have much to do with God. It's me proving to Buddy that I'm not going to do anything terrible to his grandson. All right. Look at question number three. I'm going to read the question, then I want to say something. Why do you think Saul was never described as a man after God's own heart? Now, as you are answering that, or as you're thinking about answering, keep in mind this. God is the one who chose him. I mean, Samuel, yes, he was Israel's, the type king Israel would have wanted when they thought about wanting a king. But God told Samuel, he said, I, I have chosen uh, Saul, the son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, to be king. I have chosen him. So he's God's choice. But evidently he was not a man after God's own heart. Or was he? David is the only one that the scripture specifically says was a man after God's own heart. Does that mean that nobody else there was? Does the fact that he didn't say Saul was a man after God's own heart, does that mean that Saul wasn't? So was he? And whether he was or not, why do you think God never described Saul as a man after God's own heart? He does David, he doesn't Saul. Let me see a little show of hands here. How many of you think that Saul was a man after God's own heart? Raise your hand. Okay. 
Okay, all right. How many of you believe that at the beginning, Saul started out as a man after God's own heart? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you believe he was not a man after God's own heart? Raise your hand. What do the rest of us believe? Uh, uh, Miss, Miss Helen over here, and I, Miss Helen is, oh, you got to think about it. Okay, all right. That's probably wisdom thinking there. That's, what, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get the microphone to her, because she's, 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 she's understood more than we have. All right, Richard Munn back there, Andy. I think it's... Uh... You know, I think God was going to allow Saul to be a king. I don't think, in my opinion, it was not God's choice. God wanted to be the king of the Jews. But when the people wanted a king, okay, I'll give you a king. But Saul didn't turn out the way God wanted him to. And David did. And to me, it was like, as as a former teacher, sometimes you'd let kids make up a test, uh, uh, I'm sorry, retest. If they made a bad grade, they could retest. And when they retested, you threw that old test out and you kept the new grade. If they made a 65 on the first one, and that's, and I think God's like that. You know, we sin, and then we ask for forgiveness, we repent and ask for forgiveness, and God throws out that sin it's just like that old test grade. And you've got to, you make 100 on the second one, you've got a new test grade. And I think that David did that. Saul didn't do that. David truly repented. I mean, numerous times. You, you read the Psalms this morning. When he truly repented, and I think God said, you're clean. Your heart's clean now. It's white. All right. Richard points up something in his, at the beginning of his answer to the question. He said... Uh, he saw possibly was a man after God's own heart at the beginning, at first, maybe, but not later. Um, so here's a question for you. Um, do you think David at all points of his life was a man after God's own heart or had a heart like God's? For instance, when he was in the middle of the affair with Bathsheba and to the extent that he was uh, now... Uh, strategizing to have Uriah killed. Now just look at him in that Polaroid moment. My question is, was he at that moment a man after God's own heart? Uh, I'm looking for yeses and nos, and I uh, would like to hear your answer why. Okay, At that moment, was he then a man after God's own heart? Yes or no? How many of you believe at that moment he was not a man after God's own heart? Raise your hand. All right. You want, can you, are, you, are you willing to tell us why, Renee? Uh, Andy, Renee says he was not at that moment. I just think his human nature took over and he was only concerned with himself. Okay. Who else raised a hand that thought no? Did you raise your hand, buddy? What do you think, Miss Helen? Was he at that moment? I don't know. I have to take my Bible and study these things. <laughs> I, I've been out of school a long time. Uh, Chris Gould has his hand up over here, Andy. 
Saul, I mean, it never says at that point that David sought God's will or God's purpose or God's plan. He just did what he wanted to do. And okay. he, I think power and it had corrupted, and it never crossed his brain to seek God's direction or purpose in that. And so at that point, he, is, he did not have a heart after. He was not a man after God's own heart because he was seeking his own, not God's purpose. All right. How many of you now believe that he, at that point, still was a man after God's own heart? Raise your hand. Just for yay? Anybody else? Nobody else believes that he was a man after God's own heart? Matthew says he was. All right. Let's hear from Matthew and then let's hear from VA. Matthew. Why do you think that he still was a man after God's own heart? My opinion is God had already told him before he had become king that he was a man of God's heart. And so I don't know a part in the Bible where God has said something and it be proven untrue. So I think if God is going to say that he is, then he is. There is no, oh, for that brief moment of time, he isn't. All right. VA? What Matthew said. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ken Hall. I think God knows your heart through what you say in prayer in private, not necessarily in prayer in public. Mm-hmm. When you say your prayers in private, that's when you deal with God and he knows your heart there. Mm. Now, maybe that's how we judge David and Saul. Good point. Good point. All right. Um, Jill, you've been doing an awful lot of writing over there. Tell us something that you've been writing. Because I know you have. Oh. Well, which, which, uh, Anyone you want. Well, first I said we need to define after God's own heart. And then I said, as true Christians, we all seek to be close to God. We all fail, some more than others, but all more than we want. And those after God's own heart, with quotation marks, fail but sincerely try again, but we have to acknowledge our sins. I know, um, for example, Dane is is. In my heart, but I tell you what, I thought about just putting him in time out today till he was 35. But that doesn't change my love for him in my heart. How do you define uh, a person after God's own heart? Oh, that was, um, that was a question for you. But I'm asking you. I don't your, know. In your that's, opinion. That's, I think I have to define that before I can really answer these correctly. Okay. All right. Uh, well, yeah, go ahead. But that's uh, what... What Jill is saying, and when I was saying that about Matthew, I, I feel like we can we desire God, we we want, but but we're still in the world, and we are other minded at times. That does not mean we're less after God's own heart, and we're the losers when we're not concentrated on Him completely in our lives and letting Him be the director of that. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not that that's not where we want to be. Hmm. Uh, as I said this morning, uh, my definition of it, which, which is, not, is not law, my definition of a person after God's heart is a person whose heart is literally aflame for God. They're, they're consumed with God, have such a passion for God. And, you know, I'm, I ended up the sermon with the story about uh, Shug Jordan, <laughs> although I mispronounced his name. You know, uh, he asked uh, one of his former linebackers to uh, help him recruit. 
you know, y'all have heard that story. And he said, you know, I don't want the one who gets knocked down, gets back up, knocked down, back up, knocked down, back up. So I want the one who's knocking everybody down. That kind of passion. A passion like that for God is, in my opinion, a heart after God's. But uh, the reason I'm iffy on it is because I don't think the Scripture specifically and clearly lays out exactly what that is. I, I want to do one more thing because we're running out of time, and I appreciate you all so much for helping uh, me with this. It means a lot to me, and I hope it means a lot to you. Number eight. Look down at number eight. I want you to name a person you know or have known whose life you would describe as a life after God's own heart. Name a person you know or have known whose life could be described, you would describe, as a life after God's own heart. Name that person. And then, what did they do that led you to describe them in such a way? All right? I'd like to hear on on this question. This will be our final question. I'd like to hear on that from as many people as possible. Nobody has to, of course, but I'd like to hear... That answer from as many people as possible. Name a person who you'd describe as a person after God's own heart. Somebody you know or have known. They may not be alive now. And what did they do that led you to that conclusion? All right? All right, I'm going to give you just a moment there. That'll be fine. Well, I wrote Virginia's name down, but it's pretty obvious that what she does around and what she's been doing for a lot of years, and not only that, but as Jill referred to a while ago, and I can relate to that, the way she treats her grandson, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. All right. Someone else. A person. A name of a person that you believe is a person after God's own heart and... What did they do to lead you to think that way? Miss Helen, do you have somebody wrote down? I would love to hear what you say. All right, but nobody would know her, but probably Janet. That's all right. She was. Who's that? Sue Carlton. She was a teacher, and she was truly a a librarian, yeah. And she lived the life of a Christian. All right. She, She set an example. All right. Thank you. I saw some hands over here. Yeah. So Peggy had read this question earlier, and she'd already picked out Miss Willie Johnson. And she didn't, her reasoning was if you wanted to go somewhere with Miss Willie, make sure you had plenty of time because she was going to see one of her kids. And she was going to stop. And as much time as that adult still needed from Miss Willie, she they were going to get that amount of time. And then I'm going to add to that with Miss Willie, back to your question five. Does it really depend on your behavior? I'm, I'm going to take the definition that after your own, after God's own heart, is a sum total of David's life, of Miss Willie's life. Because Miss Willie could drive you crazy, too. If you had an apple tree in your yard, 
she's coming to see you in the fall and get those apples. And she's going to want some help getting them home and dry it out. So it ain't everything we do in our life. It is the sum total. Mm. And people like Miss Willie, they get that. Mm. Good, good. They gave all she had. Mm. Good. Good. Somebody else, a name and what led you to conclude that name? From the past, I'd have to say my daddy because my daddy was always in awe of the way God revealed himself. And he got excited about it. And he would come tell us kids. And he, he could just, he was always striving towards seeing God in everything. And today, uh, Doris Parkman mm. and Hugo, I've just never seen anybody whose life is so wrapped up in being after God's own heart and knowing it and seeing it and whatever. All right, good. Somebody else, a name, and what led you to that conclusion that that person was a person after God's own heart? Did you have your hand up, Chris? You got somebody? You be thinking about one. I know you got some. Somebody else. Come on. Somebody else. Do you have one, Matthew? Miss Shirley? Buddy does. I knew Buddy did. I, he was sitting right there about to bust. Our former pastor for a long time, known him for 30 years, Hinton Harris. Hmm. Never seen him do anything that he wasn't promoting Christ. Hmm. You could go. We went on a trip with him. And you, on, got on a boat. He wouldn't walk up to nobody within 10 minutes. He would offer him. He'd find out if he's a Christian. If not, he'd offer him salvation. Mm. Yeah. Nobody else I've ever knew could do that. Yeah. Awesome. How about you, Renee? You got somebody? All right. I knew she did. My granny. Okay. Um, Mostly because she always found the positive about people, no matter how badly they may have treated someone she loved. Because she said that God said you're always supposed to look the good and for people, look for the good in people. So even with situations in my family with people that had hurt us, she was always found the one good thing she could to say about them. She never spoke negatively about anybody. Mm. All right, Yolanda, did you have your hand up? Oh, okay. Somebody else, a name of a person, and why you conclude that person is a person after God's heart. You got somebody wrote down, Jill? All right. Y'all don't know her, but her name is Cheryl, and she's the past president of the Jubilaires, which is the, um, the female counterpoint of the group that Chris sings with, the Sons of Jubal. And uh, this lady can make you do stuff you didn't know you wanted to do. She has this group of a whole bunch of decrepit old ladies like me going places and staying in bunk beds and, and doing things for, for people that you wouldn't ever think you'd want to be with. Um, making dolls and painting houses and looking in their mouths and looking at their teeth. They're just doing mission trips everywhere. And this, this group, um, she was instrumental in taking this group of ladies. I did not go, but um, they went, mm-mm. <laughs> I didn't go to Russia. No, I, their mission trips, if they're not far, but I didn't go to Russia. But um, she didn't get that far. But she is just, 
She is just the walking, talking Christian, um, the biggest one I've ever seen. I can just see her love and her passion um, every day, and I'm just proud to know her, just mm. proud to try to be like her just mm. a little bit. Do you have somebody, Roger Smith? All right, I knew he did. I knew Roger did. He's looking too prayerful back there not to have somebody. I wasn't praying. I was just trying to, <laughs> trying to think. But uh, I was thinking of some of the people when I grew up, the church that I went to, and you've been there. Yeah. Uh, two of the pastors there, Lamont Mays and Fred Hicks, they were both, I was just a, a boy then. Well, I was there till I was 18 when I went into the military. But all, all the time I was there, they were, they were uh, real friendly, you know, and always talking about God uh, and, and uh, looking out for us kids and all. And another guy was Harry Parker. He was my Sunday school teacher and uh, the classes we had Sunday afternoons. And he used to take us kids uh, hiking over up on the mountain and all, but he was always giving thanks to God and pointing out things, how they reflected uh, on God. And I always remember those three. Amen. Gary Milner's got somebody. Go up back there, uh, Andy. He's got somebody. And then, Chris, you get, you get yours ready. Well, there's a couple. Uh, one, uh, William talked about VA a while ago, but there's a woman sitting next to me. Yeah. And also, uh, there's a, another woman a while back uh, we went to church with in Verbin. Uh What's her name, Rodney? Passed away. Uh, Margaret Maddox was one. Okay. She uh, died of cancer, and she fought cancer for years and years. But she always uh, gave praise to God in everything. And you never heard her talk bad about why she had cancer or anything like that, and her husband died as well. All right. Thank you. All right, Mr. Gould's finally got somebody over here. He had that person all along, but he just didn't want to say it till now. No, I had about probably 700 people because everybody, because I've, I've been blessed to be with, uh, in, in different churches with so many godly people, uh, the Sons of Jubilee, some of the Jubilayers uh, that, that I know, uh, uh, so many uh, through the years. But I'm going to pick one. Uh, his name is Tim Shaw. He's a missionary to South Africa and someone who would... Uh, pull up their family and go to the other side of the world because God asked them to, uh, that's a man after God's own heart. And you could fill in the blank with the, yeah. uh, the Parkmans and a hundred others that we all know. So I'm just picking one name, uh, but not that one name over any others, but uh, someone who would give their life uh, and go to the other side of the world just because God told them to. Uh, that has to be a person after man's own, God's own heart. All right. Great. All right, Andy, go to your dad over here. He's got one. I guess my best example is always my dad Mm. because he had such a tremendous love of people that he was, okay, you can help me. Was it Jeremiah that said, I try to be quiet and I can't be, I am compelled to prophesy. That's the way my dad was about sharing the gospel. It, the minute, 90 seconds, he was at a counter buying something at the store. He had to say something to that clerk. He had to because his love for everyone he met was so deep, he needed to share God with them. Uh, 
just take a minute. Uh, there was a story I heard at his funeral when he was a very young man in seminary. He and a group of other students went to a conference in Chicago, and they had heard all the legends about the south side of Chicago, and this was in the early 50s, late 40s, early 50s. So they finally found a taxi driver that would drive them through. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't let them roll the windows down, but they would drive through so they could see what the streets were like on the south side of Chicago. Later that day, the other students couldn't find Dad. He was on on that street that they had been on to drive by just to see it because these were boys from Mississippi talking to the prostitutes and the drug dealers on the street corner because he was compelled because they were there and nobody else was talking to him about Jesus. Thank you for that. I want us to close in prayer uh, with just a few moments of silent prayer in which you and I silently thank God for the people He has brought into our lives who who had hearts like God's. All right? Now, before I do that, I do want to take one poll. Forgive me for doing this, but I'm just out of curiosity. David committed adultery and then killed the husband of the lady with whom he had the affair and then took her to be his wife. I'd like to see the hands of those who would vote for David to be your pastor. Raise your hand. All right. Just curious. But that was because he was a warrior. That was the reason he gave him. Just curious. Let's stand. A moment of silent prayer. Thank God for the, that person or persons in your life who touched your life because they had a heart like God's. Let's pray. Our Father, this, for me, has been a special time. It's been made special because these folks were willing to share, and if they hadn't been willing to share, this would have been real awkward, and I would have deemed it a failure. But they did share, and they shared their heart and their opinions, and I appreciate what they shared. I thank you for Major Eccles, that white-haired fellow at Hall Creek Church who led the singing. And he would ask me as a little boy of 10, 11 years old to come up there and stand beside him while he led the singing. And I thank you for John Lummis, who was a towering pastor up there in the North Georgia Hills, whose words to me I clung to as if they were gold.
And I'm thankful for the people who are members of Palmetto Baptist Church on the last Sunday night in July 2000. Who even though they knew more than I wanted them to know about me, they voted to let me be their pastor. And I literally did not think that was possible. Together we unite with a chorus that cannot be audibly heard to thank you for the people you brought into our lives who had hearts like yours. In Jesus' name, amen.